Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Laymiller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Sex and aging is a topic that is rarely discussed and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And whenever the topic does come up, the focus is usually on sexual problems and all of the ways that sex becomes more challenging and less pleasurable over time. And while it's certainly true that the odds of experiencing many sexual difficulties, such as erectile problems or vaginal dryness, does increase with age, this doesn't have to mean the end of your sex life or that you're never going to have great sex again. In fact, in our final decades, many seniors say that they're actually having the best sex of their lives. So today's episode is going to be all about what you need to know regarding sex and aging. We're going to bust some popular myths and discuss practical tips and advice for healthy, lifelong sexuality and having better sex at any age. My guest is Joan Price, who calls herself an advocate for ageless sexuality. Joan is the author of four books about senior sex, including the award-winning Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex, as well as Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. An internationally recognized, popular public speaker and sex educator, Joan, now 78 years old, has been writing and speaking about senior sex since 2005. This is going to be a wonderful conversation full of useful information, no matter what your age is. I can't wait to get into it, and we're going to jump in right after the break. The Kinsey Institute is committed to research, education, and historical preservation centering around sexuality, gender, and reproduction. The Institute has been around for 75 years and is a trusted source for scientific knowledge. You can support the Kinsey Institute's work and mission by following them on social media, joining their email list, or making a gift to help them continue their efforts and further our understanding of human sexuality. Visit KinseyInstitute.org to make your gift and help continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey for generations to come. If you're anything like me, you probably didn't get the sex education that you wanted or deserved, but it's never too late to learn. If you're on the hunt for helpful resources, check out Beducated, the Netflix for better sex. No matter where you are in your life or sexual journey, Beducated has courses for you. These courses can help you improve your sexual communication skills, deal with common sexual difficulties, and get more pleasure from both solo and partnered play. Try all of their courses today for free and get 70% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Lay Miller, as the coupon code. It's just $7.99 per month after that, and the discount is locked in for life. Check the show notes for the link or visit beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Hi, Joan, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I've been following your work for a long time, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you again. So you're a sex educator who focuses on senior sexuality, and I'd like to begin our conversation by asking you to tell us a little bit about how you got into this area. What is it that led you to become an advocate for sex and aging? This is my third career. I was a high school English teacher for 22 years, and then after a near-fatal automobile accident, during which my fitness habit saved my life, I became a fitness instructor and personal training trainer for people who didn't like exercise. And I started writing about fitness, health and fitness, wrote several books and probably a thousand articles, thought this was my career. And then at age 57, I met a man age 64 who, when I first saw him, 
I tried to remember to breathe. It was lust at first sight, later became love, later became marriage. We had seven years together, and during that time, it was not only the most glorious relationship I'd ever been in, and I'd had a few you know, over all those years, but it was the best sex. And when we were just a couple of years into the relationship, I thought, why are there no books that celebrate older age sexuality, that give the kind of, of information that we need to have the best sex ever, which we discovered just sort of by discovering, but gee, well, isn't it in a book? Everything is in a book. And Robert said, well, you're the writer, write your own. I thought I was going to write one book about senior sex, which was better than I ever expected, straight talk about sex after 60. And this came out, I wrote this when I was 61, and it was supposed to just celebrate the joys of older age sexuality. But Justin, as you know, that was not my only book about senior sex. That was the beginning of an entire new career that I've been on this glorious ride for 17 years now, writing books, articles, giving presentations, webinars, helping people enrich or maintain their sex life. I love all of that. Thank you for sharing your story. And also... I'm so glad that you discovered this third career because it's so important. There there just aren't enough people who are talking about these subjects that you are. You know, I think we all know that sex itself is a taboo topic and senior sex is an even more taboo topic. It's just not something that people often discuss. And a lot of people pretend like it doesn't exist at all. That's right. And when people think about the topic of sex and aging, their minds often go immediately to problems. And so there's this common assumption that sex necessarily becomes less satisfying with age, but that wasn't your personal experience. And it's certainly not the experience of many of the seniors that you've spoken to for the various books that you've published. The, the two things you're saying, though, are not mutually exclusive. Yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have problems. Yes, our bodies and our minds and our relationships give us many challenges. However, that doesn't mean that we, we just designate sex to the been there, done that pile. It just means we need to educate ourselves, be open-minded, explore, experiment, understand what we can do instead of what we thought was the only way to have sex in the past. It isn't a matter of what we give up so much as what we expand to bring in. And so we can be having great, greater, greatest sex while still acknowledging, no, my body doesn't work the way it did when I was 20, 30, or even 40. Yeah. And I think you make a great point there. That actually reminds me of the title of a recent piece in the New York Times that you were interviewed for, which was titled The Joys and Challenges of Sex After 70, right? So yes. we do need to acknowledge that, yes, there are challenges, there are certain problems, some things that we did in the past might not be feasible or practical or comfortable to do anymore. But there's also all of these new opportunities to explore and expand. And so I wonder if you can speak a little bit more about in what ways can sex actually become better as we age? So how can you be having the best sex of your life later in life? One of the most important ways is 
communication skills. Often when we get to the age of 60, 70 and beyond, we've learned to communicate, not always. I hear from seniors who say, I don't know how to talk about sex with my partner. But by and large, the, the more we accumulate years of experience and, and decades of relationships, we do learn to be a little clearer about what we like, what isn't on the table for us now, what we'd like to see change. That's one real important bit of this. Another important bit of this, equally important, is that we expand our notion of what great sex is to involve many ways that are not necessarily just PIV, penis and vagina, penetrative sex of any kind, that we may acknowledge that erections are no longer dependable. Okay, let's not put the goal on having a rock-hard erection. What else can we do? How can we explore sensation? How can I please you? How can you please me? And the same thing, if vaginas are not lubricating, well, that's really not a problem because there are the most wonderful lubricants specifically for sex that enhance pleasure. They do at any age, really, but they're a necessity for us. And besides that, if, if we're having discomfort with penetration, or maybe penetrative sex just isn't our favorite thing to do, we may say, yeah, well, okay, we could do that, but that's just one of the options. What do you feel like today? And maybe what I feel like today is your hand plus this vibrator. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love everything that you said there. And I think that's such important and, and useful information. And I think it really flips the script on how we think about sex and aging. You know, for a lot of people, the idea of having sex as they get older might be something that they dread, but instead it's something you can look forward to because there are all of these new options that get added to the menu that can make sex more satisfying than ever. But we have to learn to do that. Because I hear more than anything else, I hear from seniors, the old ways don't work the way they used to anymore. And so is sex over? Or my spouse has decided sex is over, but I'm not done with it. I mean, there are some very, very real issues. And so when people ask me, what do, what do you do, Joan? I say, I, I talk out loud about senior sex. And, and that's really what we need to start doing is instead of shoving it under the table, under the bed, under the covers, in the closet, we need to just talk out loud to our doctors, to our dates, potential partners, partners, friends. We need to not go along with society's idea, here's my soapbox, that sex is either over or icky if it's not over. No, it's glorious. Yes, these bodies may be saggy and baggy. And I mean, I like to joke that even my wrinkles have wrinkles, but that doesn't mean that my body is not capable of giving me extraordinary pleasure and that I am not capable of giving a partner extraordinary pleasure through communication, through trying new things, through exploring, through keeping an open mind, and through definitely learning to communicate about sex with a partner. Yeah. Everything you're saying, I think, is so important for everybody at any age. Well, that's the thing. 
I call young people seniors in training because if you're lucky, you'll get old. And the more you can start employing these ideas of expanding sex and talking about it, the better sex you'll have right now, not just when you get to be my age, if you're so lucky. Yeah. So maybe one of the keys for better sex is to think more like a senior, right? And at any age, yes, you can have better sex. I have one presentation that I give that is titled, What I Wish I'd Known About Sex and Relationships When I Was Your Age. And that's the one that is targeted to younger people, to seniors in training. And in fact, thanks to you putting me in touch with this person, I I got to give this talk in the Netherlands to a group of about 200 college students. And it was remarkable. It was remarkable. I got emails later. (laughs) They said they learned so much about sex at their age and in the future. Yeah, I love that so much. And I'm so glad I was able to help you arrange that that speaking opportunity and take your work on sex and aging around the world. I love it. Now, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You talked about how communication is really one of the keys and that oftentimes it gets easier in a relationship as you develop more practice and so forth. But we know that for some people, they just don't really communicate about sex at all early on. And sort of the longer they wait to bring up the subject, the harder it becomes, right? It starts to get really uncomfortable and the sense of pressure around that has built up. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to some tips on how you can just sort of bring up sex with a partner and normalize these conversations early on in a relationship so that you can really tap into those communication benefits throughout the entirety of that relationship. I love what you're saying, that it needs to start happening right at the beginning, right at the beginning with a new partner. And if you haven't done it well with your current partner, it's not too late to start. The two are a little different. I would say one way to open it with a long-term partner is to say, honey, (laughs) I love you and I love our relationship and I love our sex together. But I'm realizing that my body is changing as I age, and I I know yours is too. And one of the things that changes is that what I need to feel pleasure and arousal has shifted. What I used to like best, that you do so well with me because we taught each other this, doesn't work as well for me anymore as it used to. And I wonder, could we go on a journey of exploration to learn what I need now? I think that's a great framing. I mean, I get excited thinking about hearing that from someone. Yeah, let's do that. If it's a new partner, because many of us are not in relationships, we are dating maybe after a breakup, a divorce, the death of a partner, Or maybe we've been single all along and we meet new people. We want to get sexual with them. But uh, what is this person expecting? How do I communicate? And so I like to promote doing it something like this. I am very attracted to you. I am excited by you. I don't know where this is going, but could we take small steps in getting sexual together. Could we just do this, insert 
what you'd be comfortable with right now. I need you to know that once we get sexual, this is what I need for arousal and orgasm. And you might even pull out of a handy pouch your go-to vibrator. <laughs> or you might be sure that on the bedside table or even the little end table on the, from the couch, if that's where you're starting things, you hold up the bottle of lube. You also make sure that you say your condoms or mine if it's likely to be a penetrative relationship with a penis. There are so many ways you can bring up sex. You need to, of course, find your way. I do give samples of ways to bring up sex and bring up how to improve what's going on in sex or how to switch things around from something that isn't working. I do that in a book, one of my books, The Ultimate Guide to Sex After 50. I also am working on and people who've listened to me for a while are going to laugh because I've been working on it for so many years and just have to finish it. A webinar called Help Me Find the Words. Because we do need help finding the words. Yeah, we do. It's it's a common struggle at any age, any type of relationship is to figure out how do you bring this up and do it in a way that's not threatening to your partner and in a way that starts a productive and healthy conversation because there's just so much shame and embarrassment and anxiety surrounding sex. But the earlier you can start these conversations, the better. Yes. And one good tip is to have the conversation, not when you're in the middle of sex, yes. but <laughs> before you get started, or maybe after you finish when it hasn't quite been what you wanted, but to wait till a time where you have your clothes on and you're not in the bedroom. And, and if it's a, if it's a regular partner, you could say, I wonder if we could schedule a time to discuss our our sexual expression. I'd love to talk to you about what works for me, some things that don't work so well for me, and I'd love to hear you share the same. So can we pick a time to talk about this? By doing that, by making it in the future, then you're not blindsiding a partner who thought everything was great, and then suddenly you're 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 going. Uh, so can we talk about this because it's not what I really want? You're not shaming your partner. You're not blaming your partner. You're not blindsiding your partner. You're you're inviting your partner into a discussion, yeah. and that way your partner has time to think about. Well, as long as we're going to do this, <laughs> I would like to tell her about this, <laughs> what I need, what she could do for me or what he can do for me. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And, you know, you're right that sometimes people do get caught off guard in having these conversations because it comes out of the blue. And so having that time to process, reflect, think about it can be really helpful for setting the stage for a much more productive conversation. And setting ground rules by saying, for example, I'd like to explain this to you. I'd like you to hear me without interrupting. Please don't be defensive because this isn't you. This is how my body works now. This has nothing to do with anything you're doing wrong. It's just some things we haven't put out there yet. And then 
I'd like you to ask me questions for clarification. And then I'd like to hear you do the same and I won't interrupt and I will wait till you tell me to ask questions. So if you set this up, then you're not fumbling at it. You're not jumping on each other's <laughs> communication and, you're, and you can avoid being defensive. Yeah, those are all great and super practical tips, which I thank you for sharing. Now, something you talk a lot about in your work, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, is the importance of sort of expanding your idea and definition of what sex is, because what feels good, what feels pleasurable can change over time. And the things that felt good to you in your 20s and 30s might be very different from your 40s and 50s, and that might be very different from your 60s and beyond. And so if you keep approaching sex the same way for your entire life, you might very well find that it becomes less satisfying, or maybe your partner finds it less satisfying because it's no longer working for them. So can you speak to that importance of redefining what sex is and how that can really benefit all of us, no matter where we are in our lives? So how should we think about what it means to have sex? Great question. For one thing, we take the goals out of it. And I like to think of sex as sexual expression rather than having sex. <laughs> because having sex means there's just, there's something you get, but sexual expression is something you do. Sexual expression is how you experience pleasure, what kind of sensations turn you on, communicating that with a partner. And it can be non-verbally. It could also be with moans and groans and shivers and, and movements. But to take the idea of goals, we have to have sex in this way, generally penetrative. We have to have sex with this goal. We will both have orgasms. Let's not put anything in the way of our expressing our sexuality with sensation and pleasure. Let's just have the goal be, I will experience pleasure with you. I will give you the experience of pleasure in the best way I can, going on what I know about you and what you communicate with me. And if orgasm results, fantastic. Now, it's very likely that if you are easily orgasmic or you have communicated this well about what you need for orgasm, that yes, orgasms will happen. But by making them the goal, then it makes some one or both of you nervous. And anxiety, nervousness, fear of not doing it right, uh, fear of not being able to respond right. Oh, oh, he's doing everything right, but isn't going to happen today. Oh, no, what do I do? Do I just, oh, no. And that just induces the flight or fight response, which takes the blood flow away from the genitals, which need all the blood flow they can get these days. So you absolutely don't want to do something that draws that blood flow away. So if instead we go, do you like it when I do this? Would you rather I did something else? Kind of having sex together and taking a lot of time for warm up because that's what we need. That's what our aging bodies need. Our sexual response is not hormone propelled in most cases. Therefore, we are not responding as quickly or as automatically. And maybe we want 
of whatever gender we are. Maybe we want more full body sensations and not just go for the genitals and <laughs> pump away in one way or the other. It may be something totally different. Also explore what turns us on ahead of time. What do we need to get in the mood? What do we? What tools do we need at uh, the bedside table? We need lube. We need maybe a couple of kinds of lube. Maybe we need silicone lube for the best kind of cushioning and slickness and not having to reapply it. But if we want to use a silicone sex toy, then we've got to have water-based lube. So there are things to learn about. And if we prepare ahead of time, okay, I'm going to make sure I, I charge the sex toy I want to use. And oh, my partner often likes this one. Let me charge this one. To, oh, what the heck? Let me charge five of them and then put them in a basket. We can have choices. Let's put out two different kinds of lube. Oh, let's not forget the flavored lube because that's really fun for fellatio. Let's have all of this here and a candle or a pretty light and maybe some um, some little towels, a cute little washcloths that are going to be used for cleanup and preparation. And what else do we need? What happens when we do that is we start doing what I like to call mental foreplay. We anticipate it's anticipatory sex. We get aroused by knowing what's going to happen. If we think back to how we used to get aroused preparing for a date when we were teenagers, we thought about it for days. We made our preparation, not the kind, same kind of preparations we're doing now because we could count on our hormones, but we did anticipate what am I going to wear? What underwear? How will I groom? How will I smell? <laughs> and, and we get ready for days, for weeks. And, and so by the time we're with this partner, we're ready to go. This happens in a different way and more slowly if we do this as seniors too, or anywhere along the way. Yeah. So it sounds like in terms of rethinking sex, it's about dropping the sexual scripts and yes. allowing some unpredictability and spontaneity to sort of enter the picture because you have these different options and ways for the sexual experience to go. And that can make sex all the more fun and exciting when you have those different possibilities. It's not always so predictable. So I love what you're saying there, that it's just a different mindset for thinking about sex. There aren't any goals. There's no pressure. It's about having fun and also about engaging in some exploration mutually because sometimes we don't know what we like until we try it. And so if you're not ever trying new things, you're not really going to know what it is that works for you and your partner and your bodies now and at different stages of life. So I think that's a really great and, and handy way of thinking about things that we need to get into the mindset of doing that earlier rather than later in our relationships. There are obviously lots of things that you talk about in your work. I mean, we could talk about this for days about, you know, tips for, for better sex. <laughs> and so, you know, it's expanding your definition of sex and approaching it with the right mindset. It's establishing good communication. Of course, 
paying attention to your health is another key thing there as well, because your overall physical health affects your sexual health and vice versa. So being mindful of your health, talking to your doctor about potential sexual health issues that come up is another big one, because so many people find it hard not just to talk about sex with their partners, but also with their doctors. And so that can lead sexual health problems to go unaddressed. I have a script for that. I'd love to hear it. All right. Doctor, my sexuality is important to me. Here's what is interfering with my pleasure. Let's run the tests and find out what's going on. And if you can't help me, please refer me to someone who can. I teach this in every workshop I give. I have them repeated after me. We do it three or four times so that it's easy to memorize. And then they take it home. And they often let me know, I tried the, I call it my medical mantra. And they say, I tried the medical mantra with my doctor and he was so surprised. <laughs> I love that because it's such a simple, straightforward, you know, to the point way of getting that information, that concern out there, you know, and oftentimes when you're at a medical appointment, you have that very limited time. And so you need to introduce the information effectively, <laughs> convey the point. And so that's a great way to do it without kind of leaving any guesswork for your healthcare provider. So thank you for sharing that because sure. it's wonderful. So I'm curious, do you have any other advice based on your accumulated work, things that you really want people to know about sex and aging that can help them to have better sex at any age? Sex toys are fun when you're young, often essential when you're old, because we need more sensation. I mean, nothing I say applies to everyone. When I say we, I would say in my experience from what hundreds and hundreds of people have told me, this is what comes up. We need more sensation. We need a longer arousal time. And yet <laughs> we often can't stay in the position we like for long or our arthritic wrists don't let us go as long as we want for stimulation so many things that make it more difficult to get that extra arousal and sensation. Using sex toys, particularly vibrators for any genitals, this is not an admission of defeat. This is not saying your partner isn't enough for you or I'm not enough for myself. It is simply that vibrators have one function, to help you reach orgasm more easily. And we need that assist. So I often hear from, from seniors who say, I've never used a sex toy in my life. And they say, and my spouse doesn't want me to. Oh, come on, stop it. Your spouse, no, 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 no. Your spouse is not in charge. What if you said to your spouse, okay, if I can't use a vibrator, you can't have your penis directly touched. You can have sex, but I'm not going to touch your penis in any way. How would that go over? <laughs> if you are a penis owner and you are deluded by the idea that a sex toy should not be brought into the bedroom, realize you want someone to have an orgasm. This is just going to make it easier. That's what they do. We call them toys. They're really tools. 
they're orgasm tools. And I review sex toys from a senior perspective on my blog at joanprice.com because it's different. What seniors need from a sex toy is not the same as what a young person needs. So I review them from a senior perspective. And it's important, it's really important to realize that just as we'd wear an ankle brace or a knee brace if we wanted to go dancing, but it, we can't do it without this assistive thing, then likewise, let's make sure the vibrator we want to use is charged and just make it a normal part of both solo and partner sex. It's normal. Yeah. And there's a lot you can get out of sex toys at any age. In part, it's also a great tool for self-discovery and figuring out what kind of sensations you like, what are the different routes and pathways to pleasure and orgasm. And it's also important to, as you said, change your mindset around sex toys, not look at them as a threat, look at them as a tool, something that can assist yeah. in your pleasure. And I think the earlier you can start incorporating sex toys into your sex life, the easier it becomes later on when you said sex toys may become essential to sexual function. So thank you for sharing all of this great advice with us. And a lot of young people will use sex toys, but they'll use them solo. They will think it shouldn't be used during partner sex. But for um, for a vulva owner, getting direct clitoral stimulation is super important. And that can be done while having penetrative sex with a partner, while having other kinds of sex with a partner. Just just make it a, a norm, normal thing you do. Hi, yep. meet, meet. Uh, I call my favorite Dr. Ruth <laughs> because <laughs> she recommends it. Meet the Erosolator, Dr. Ruth. I'd like you to get acquainted because we're going to be seeing a lot of her. I love it. Normalize sex toys and name them. Yes, name them. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Joan. It was really a pleasure to have you here and to learn from you. And you're just a fountain of knowledge. And I appreciate your so many important contributions to the field. So can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get copies of all of your amazing books? Everything is at joanprice.com, www.joanprice.com. My books, my blog, webinars, tips, senior sex tips, just about everything I do is accessible there. And the social media is accessible through my main website too. So just go there, you'll find it all. And I love talking to you, Justin. You're so smart and savvy and open. I love how you're open to learning more. I certainly don't know it all. And so that's why I invite folks like you to come on and to help me expand my knowledge at the same time as we're helping my listeners to expand their knowledge as well. So thank you again so much for your time. And thank you for listening. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, and check out all of Joan's amazing books and follow her on social media as well. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.